You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads from the eye of the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go! Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast. And I don't know why I sound so cheerful because the Seahawks have lost 30-24 to to the Carolina Panthers. A very disappointing home defeat for a number of reasons that we'll get into. Seattle is now 7-6. and six. They're on the edge of the playoffs, but they've got a really tough schedule. This was a game they couldn't really afford to drop. Griff, you, and I've said this before after losses, you are a bit of a coper. You've been known I'm to I'm not cope. a coper, man. You indulge in the copium. You no, are I one don't. of the copious copes. Just because I don't shut off my brain to the possibility of betterment to improvement doesn't mean I'm coping. Okay. It means I'm being realistic. So, Facts and logic only. Ha- you doth protest too much. Griff, how yeah. difficult is this loss to cope with? Um, see, once again, no coping required. We need only uh, engage with what happened. Unpack it, repack, and look to the future. Um, they're 9 and 8, or no, not 9 and 8. What the hell? Why did I say that? They're 7 and 6, right? And if feels like in all likelihood their record will be 9-8, and eight, potentially 8-9 eight and nine right now, looking at their schedule. I do believe, though, that this team is still capable of absolutely anything, positive or negative. Um, this season does have quite the spectrum. I just have no idea what to expect week to week. Um, this game was obviously as terrible and as bad as it you could, it, as bad as it looked like it was, because it was, where our eyes were not deceiving us. Um I watching it live, I did think that the defensive line and the fits and everything was actually holding up pretty darn well. And then in the second half, just like the Raiders game, it was horrific, absolutely horrific. 
who's not having Shelby Harris really hurt, not having Elwood's hurt um, in the second half. And then it's really frustrating that the second they lose one or two guys, seemingly everyone else just starts, I don't know, playing worse. The whole picture doesn't work. I mean, even Brian Mona, he was beating blocks, but then not able to like get off in time and was making arm tackles. And it's hard to disengage from a block and then go make a tackle like that. That's why you need everyone on the same page. Um, but it's little stuff like that, just collective efforts. Like, I wonder, like, did other players think that, okay, the play's not dead, but, like, we've got it bottled up here, so they're just going to rally, and they kind of abandoned their run fit, and then the running back is still loose, actually. I mean, how many runs ended like that? Um, I don't know. Just really unfortunate. Um, you know, they had some drives of life in the second quarter and early parts of the third quarter, but then they just – broke down so i don't know how they go about fixing it i the the first thing is just well you hope it's better when woods and harris are out there but beyond that you know i don't know where to go with it at least speaking for the defense yeah, yeah. so you focused on the defense just to add in this was a day where they allowed 223 rushing yards on 46 total rushing plays an average of 4.8 yards per carry ain't that familiar could Cordero Patterson, Jamal Williams, Taysom Hill, Alvin Kamara, Kyler Murray, Rashad White, Josh Jacobs, and now Tuba Hubbard have recorded their season-high rushing yards total against the Seahawks. Like, this is a defense that multiple offenses are going off against. It's a defense that they're very much aware of, like, what they're going to get and that they need to stop the run. Ryan Neal used the word frustrated like a thousand times in his post-game press conference because of how upset he was about that, you know, just what was going on. He put it down to a combination of factors, schematic, execution, uh, not being physical enough. There's like, you know, there's frustrating moments, which uh, like third and two, when Cody Barton falls back his gap with a tight end going across the formation, Jordan Brooks doesn't. Barton had Neil coming down to his side, so maybe he shouldn't have done that, but maybe he should have done that and Brooks should have fallen back. We'll see on the tape. So that's just a blown assignment. So there's that as well. And then you've got Pete Carroll afterwards going, I've got to do better. i got to do more. I've got to help our defense more. And his closing statement uh, is really happened on the ground. And I'm really disappointed in that because, you know, I've prided myself with thinking we can scheme our way into all kinds of good things to offset that. And I got to do better. Well, they haven't. And Ty... We mm -hmm. kind of saw this coming when we, we previewed it. We, we did a little mini preview on Wednesday, didn't we? And then Griff and I sort of talked it through as well. But mm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, as soon as Harris, you know, you saw Harris show up on the inactive list and then Woods goes down early on in the game, like it just kind of doomed them, right? And from that point forward, they just got their ass beat in the run game. And now, you know, with the way that this run defense continues to play, the offense. Seahawks offense just has such a little margin for error and we saw what happens when you know they don't have their best day uh Gino didn't have his best day um a lot of missed throws uh just not a great day from him in general um with the processing some of the stuff that he just did it was just just a couple moments where I was just like you got to get rid of the ball there what have you uh and then you know they didn't really have much of a run game either with the the running backs being hurt couldn't really get anything going with Homer Tony Jones was non-existent. Um, and so, yeah, you know, Gino throws a couple picks. Could have been three easily. And uh, that's really the story in this one. 
it's just it was, it was bad all around i you know I, I don't think there's really any other way around it it was just a you know it, there isn't one entity that you can really point the finger at and blame i think it was just all really really bad today um yeah, yeah. It, it is it was hard to find positives i felt the the pass protection and offense was very good particularly yeah, the agree. offensive tackles against like brian burns is no slouch mm. and they were walking around and doing some exotic pressure looks, especially on like third downs. And the pass pro handled itself. Uh, Tyler Lockett was still Tyler Lockett. He was getting open in the underneath. He had that brilliant toe tap touchdown catch in the back of the end zone. And then, as Griff mentioned, Gino had that decent second quarter. Seattle got themselves in a hole early on. They came back. And then they, they didn't do anything and they got run the heck over. And for me, it, like the, there's injur- there's little things like, you know, uh, Gino didn't have his best game. He himself admitted that, you know, he holds himself to a higher standard than that game. And there were some uncharacteristic misses, which have you worried about him showing up on the injury report with a right shoulder issue, uh, which Carol desc- described as a, I think it was a lat, he said. But anyway, that stuff hasn't, like Gino's process still seemed good. That stuff hasn't been an issue all season. But what has been an issue all season is the recurring issue and the theme to the 2022 defense is their inability to stop rushing attacks and it's the second time in three weeks the Seahawks have allowed 200 plus rushing yards it's also the third time in four games that an opponent's rushed it 40 or more times against the Seahawks and this was a close-ish game like that should not be happening and it's frustrating as Griff said you know and as you mentioned Ty okay Shelby Harris is out and so you're like, okay, well, he, he was a very important run defender, especially in the even front looks. Um, that's a bit of a loss, but they've got Woods and Monet. Like they can they should be able to handle it. Okay, yeah. Woods, who was playing a lot of like uh big end in the bare front looks and five technique in those looks this game, uh, based on what I saw on the broadcast and what Pete Carroll said. Okay, he hurts his heel, but you know, still got Monet, they've still got Jefferson, they've still got Puna Ford. <clears throat> they should be able to stop the run. Like they're they're playing more cover three they barring a really bad early third and ten call which was just bad scheme like and bad play call especially for the two back look they got presented with um they they should have been able to stop that um the run because they were in like middle field close they had plus one in the box they were they were get matching the numbers up they weren't trying to cheat the math too much they were trying to defend the run and yet they couldn't they they just they just couldn't and i think yeah, Griff's right. There was like some wriggly kind of runs from uh, Foreman, Hubbard, even Blackshear, the rookie, like where yeah. they sort of managed to get an extra crease. And I think the defense did get a bit tired and they weren't helped by the offense doing almost nothing in the second half. Yeah. But man, so Griff, you were saying bef- there's a lot sort of, I don't know where you want to take this, but I- I'd be interested in your thoughts because you're saying off air about the coaching staff and on the defense and y- your take on that, like, Pete Carroll said he needs to do more, but I'm not sure what more he can do schematically. Um, what's your take? Well, I, I think schematically, I mean, we can just kind of go back to the stuff, some of the stuff that they did last year with like a lot of more line. Like, again, we talk about every week they do do some of it, but just more line movements, more uh, what are effectively run blitzes. Um, you know, maybe they did it when we go back and watch the tape and we can really digest it, but um, it, you know, it kind of makes sense that they fall apart in the second half compared to the first half because if they remain static, then 
different types of runs can hit you harder. There were, I think when they were, I think maybe at one point they played some too high and they were in their even front and then gap started hitting them like counter and trap runs, but then it was cutting back. Um, and you have a, you have one less guy in the box here there. If you cut back, you say, say you are leverage everything right front side. That means, but if you're out gap though, if it, it, the cutback and gap can hit gap schemes can hit really hard is what I'm saying. Um, and that happened to them a couple of times. Um, um, I do wonder if they need to install like more calls, essentially. Um, I do wonder if they're too static. But then also, Pete talked about this earlier on in the season. He said the way that they're trying to coach tackling to be different so that the second guy that comes in, the first guy wraps up, and then the second guy comes in, goes for the ball. And I wonder if that's why they're not bottling up as many of these tackles because they have, in the front seven, they mostly have the same personnel. And where there are differences, you could argue, at least on paper, they felt like upgrades. Um, and they have more missed tackles this year than they did all of last year. They were one of the better tackling teams last year. Um, and like people say, well, of course, you know, Bobby, Cody Barton, he can't tackle. Well, Cody Barton actually has like very few missed tackles. He has like four on the year. He, he doesn't. His, his his he has one miss that was egregious in the Lions game. But all in all, I mean, he tends to bottle ball carriers up. It's not him. Um, so I really do wonder, is it like the way that they're teaching gang tackling and stuff? Um, also, Maddie, you mentioned, you know, now that Clint Hurd has been promoted as the guy that replaced him, who was an assistant last year at defensive line is maybe he has something to do with it. And like, I have no idea. There's no way we can say that right sitting here, but like Puna Ford has regressed this year and he, he did regain himself a little bit. Um, but like, why, why is Puna Ford regressing? He's not, he's not Al Woods. He's not 35. It would make sense for Woods to regress, but why is the young guy regressing? Right. It doesn't make sense. That's, um, um, by the way, uh, Damian Lewis is the assistant defensive line coach, uh, slash defensive tackle, you know, interior defensive line guy. He's his third year on the staff. Yeah. And, you know, after all, what got them when they did rebound for the beginning of the season, what got them back on track was reverting to what they did last year. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's Pete Carroll stepping in and saying, okay, I'm running the show a little bit more hands-on now. So maybe if there are issues cropping back up again, does that mean he's kind of letting, letting his, his, uh, his younger assistants inexperienced, relatively speaking assistants kind of, kind of put the ball back in their court a little bit to, to try to make something happen. Then is it, getting away from them again does pete need to step in pete said he needs to do more in the press conference i mean that could just be head coach you know giving canned answers because he's going to take the fall no matter no matter what but maybe is that actually indicative of something behind the scenes is he giving them i don't want to say too long a leash but is he is he delegating too much does he need to reinsert himself i don't know um but i don't know that's my that's my open-ended rant no, good, good run. Uh, probably difficult to know what the actual answers are, but mm -hmm. you know, the the good thing is this five game stretch. Like they're playing against real teams. Like what's so disappointed about this four game uh, one and three deal is all of those games were against teams with records under five hundred, and so. Now it's kind of put up or shut up, you know. Are are you going to make the playoffs, or is this is this your season 
in a nutshell, you didn't quite have the talent. Maybe, you know, your coaching staff in year one of Hurt being a, a play caller in uh, year one of the new kind of system and new coaches all working together. Um, you know, maybe it wasn't quite good enough, but now their schedule is tough. Like, it's really, really tough. Like, <laughs> there's no easy games. And, heck, they've struggled with the supposedly easy games. But, like, you know, you, you've got uh, the Rams, which I guess is the easiest game to end the season. But, you know, 49ers look formidable, won again, blew out the Buccaneers when, in a game which you kind of hoped the Buccaneers would drop. Then you've got the, at the Kansas City Chiefs on Christmas Eve, which could ruin Christmas because their offense is absolutely red hot. And then you've got the against the Jets, which, like, they're a legitimate team with a really good defense, and they'll probably run the heck out of the football, especially if Seattle uh, has similar difficulties to what they've had. So, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I guess I guess my positive spin, other than the positives I've already said, is that at least we'll find out kind of about this team pretty pretty soon. Like, we're not yeah. they're not going to eke it out until the last week. I think if then mm-hmm. if they go into that Rams game, uh, I think we probably know whether they're they're going to make the playoffs or not, and whether right. they fix the defense or not. And now's right. the time. And it's on a short week. It's against the Forty ers who will run the heck out of the football. Brock Purdy may have hurt his oblique, but um. We'll see if he can play or not. But honestly, you know, if Josh Johnson comes in the backup, like that could be worse because he's a, you know, he has a bit more. Well, Purdy's mobile, but I'm sure with Johnson, they might even build in a bit more of a quarterback run game. And for sure, so and McCaffrey and just the way that they lay the run, even with uh, Debo Samuel suffering a high ankle sprain, that sounds like a nightmare. But um, I guess we sort of dipped into the offense. Geno Smith, 21 of 36, 264 passing yards. A bit of that was padding at the end. Uh, and so was his third touchdown that he threw. He also had two interceptions. Uh, the first interception, Ty looked like JC Horn did a good job of sort of showing that he was coming down, and then he flipped back as Gino threw it. But it's, it seemed a tiny bit late. Um, yeah. And then the second one was that encroachment, like because everyone thought it was, but then he know, threw it was like it. it was. Yeah, he yeah. thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. First interception. I'd prefer that he doesn't throw that ball but yeah i think he was just a little bit late on that uh second uh one i don't blame that one on on gino uh because that was clearly an offsides that should have been called um he said that he saw three guys jump i saw at least one guy that should have been flagged on that play uh and he just he thought that he had a he thought that he had a free play chucked it up just try to see what happens and uh yeah so that's just really unfortunate um 
so i you know i i think like a little bit of this is, is skewed uh but overall you know like i said earlier i this wasn't gino's best day by any stretch maddie you and i talked about it during the mvp talk on wednesday that yeah i didn't really think that you know gino's had a um just an absolute stinker of a game until, and, um, you know, except for maybe week two, but this was probably as close as, as we've gotten to that uh, so far this year. So uh, it's just, uh, you know, it sucks, but, um, you know, I think this, uh, this offense has also earned a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. Uh, so I'm not uh, freaking out too much over it. Um, and I think they'll get back on track. And especially when you factor in, you know, the, the fact that the run game just wasn't really, you know, existent for the most part. You can yeah. give them a little bit of a leash there, but uh, you know, it's it's not great. And and again, you know, they just they have very little margin of error with the way that this defense is playing right now. So yeah, and interesting actually, what Pete Carroll said about the run game, he kind of uh, took it on a wider level than just this game. He's he's concerned about the run blocking in general up front, like. Mm-hmm. He said that the run game was an emphasis for them on both sides of the football. He's disappointed they didn't get it done, uh, you know, on either side. And I think we have seen the offensive line struggling to get displacement and movement. And okay, you are without your first three running backs. And okay, Travis Homer suddenly in a lead back role that's never been his forte. Yeah. But you know, one they they barely ran the football. They <laughs> they they ran. That can't be right. No, it isn't right. Hold on. I'm not being a very good stats boy here. They they had 14 carries for 46 yards, which is a 3.3 uh, yards per carry. Yeah, yeah. And, and three um, of them were, were Geno's, so. There you go. Right. Yeah, yeah, scramble, so it was dreadful. Um, yeah, they, 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 they didn't run the ball well, and I think there is a question about what's going on on the, the offensive line run blocking-wise. Well, when it started, it was kind of promising. Uh, they had that kind of success uh unveiling 13 personnel and and getting displacement with that yeah it's interesting again for the offense it's like you know put up or shut up like you you've gino's been spectacular his process has been brilliant uh, he's been accurate he's been able to sling the ball all around the field yeah but, but now it's, it's like you, you still can't run the ball gino can only carry the team so far like any mm-hmm. quarterback and he had an off day where I don't know. It, it, some of his throws, especially like the the kind of comeback to the field that he likes, or the outroute to the field, the wide sides of the ball would naturally take longer. But they they seemed to tick late, and it didn't seem like he was planting his foot. I, I need to rewatch, but it didn't seem like his his lower body yeah. was uh, planting in, in in an effective way. His mechanics seemed a bit off, and I don't know if that is because he's you know dealing with a sore shoulder. Really, like you said, Ty, if, if they had a defense which is worth a damn, you probably don't overanalyze Gino so much. You know, if they don't, if they don't uh, seemingly miss an offsides and so an mm-hmm. encroachment, and maybe they weren't in the neutral zone, but it seems like they were. Like uh, Austin Blythe, as Gino said, Austin Blythe doesn't snap the football if they don't get them to jump. Like he snapped the football yeah, thinking I'm, they jumped. I'm pretty sure. I think it was Brian Burns actually. Yeah, was off. Like it they, was pretty clear that he was off at the time. Well, of the, snap. The, the, the officials just sucked. Like, um, yeah, they just sucked. Like they were straight up false starts, which they just weren't calling. Like on on yeah. Seattle, there on was Seattle, a play where yeah. half of the Panthers stopped because Damian Lewis, and you got to play to the whistle. But Damian Lewis like went on Gino's first, like you know his huh, huh, like the first mm. huh, 
um yeah and just stood up like in his in his past pro before everyone and they just didn't call it it's like they wanted to go yeah. home early it was uh yeah, there was that third and ten by the. Was that the third and ten that you're talking about at the goal line when they completed it? Like yeah, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, that was weird. I mean, this was just a dumb game in general, right? Like you have the Terrace Marshall uh, like catch with his legs and all that. Like this, this is just the dumbest game. Um, I also like. I don't want to harp on this too too much because they didn't lose the game because of this and uh pete's been pretty good about this stuff for the most part this year um but the decision to punt with six and a half minutes left and you're down by two scores with this defense and you only have one timeout left which is a whole other conversation how they got to the one timeout left but like that's that's pretty ridiculous like what do you like it was a fourth and eight. Like I, I could maybe wrap my head around it if it's like a fourth and like twenty or something. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of do the, or die. I mean, that, it is from the twenty-seven. But I, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're just prolonging yeah. the agony. Like, yeah. I mean, they're kind of just done. I mean, they almost fumbled the punt. Remember, <laughs> it was down. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. No, you, you're right. You're right. I felt. Was it last um, week? No, the week before where they should have gone on for it on fourth and something i was like you should probably just go for it now we're like midfield this fourth and five it was fourth and five as well like come on (sighs) um i think one quick note on gino yeah i I think the shoulder was affecting him because every even even the the first interception like that ball died quick i just don't think he was putting power on the ball that he normally could um like and then then the falling up the deep bomb to DK, I feel like he felt he had to put everything into that throw, and that's why it was so off the mark. Um, also, there was a weird timing element with it because uh, DK kind of slowed down, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think nonetheless. I think, yeah, I don't know if Gino thought um, DK's cleared the middle field safety, so I'm gonna just put it, you know, over the top and uh, to his inside. Whereas DK more thought. We're gonna bend along a bit more. Yeah, yeah. But yeah um, that was a bit and weird. The run blocking's been bad all year. I mean, they've had they've had moments. Yeah, yeah. They, but, they, like thirteen personnel run blocking being good for a stretch isn't really. And I think more like a gadget than like a like uh, a sustainable, sustainable thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. I uh, I think Lucas and Cross will get there. I think they have all the tools. I think it is just kind of, you know, rookie strength isn't NFL strength always. Um, mm. uh, the only other place to go, I mean, you're not going to replace Damian Lewis, and generally he's not lacking in play strength or the ability to run block. You probably re- replace center, but not necessarily for run purposes. Not that Blythe is moving bodies in the run game, but, like, that's just – I'm not even against bringing him back, but I feel like maybe Gabe Jackson, is he's just done. Haynes yeah. hasn't been – you know, much different than Gabe, though. They're kind of the same player. Decent protection, poor run blocking right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Sheesh. That's depressing. Because yeah, three of those guys they're, are locked. They're just kind of screwed. <laughs> yeah, like, they're, they're not – there's only two guys to play with, and I don't think center moves the needle, even if you find a good center. 
most run schemes don't work because the center is an amazing run blocker. It's great if you can find them, but they're very rare. And even then, like they're they're not moving guys off the ball the same way good run blocking guards are. So, mm. so I, I we had a really interesting question while we were not talking about football in the bit which, if you're listening to, you won't have heard. Lucky you, uh, from uh, Aditwa Pabuwal. Apologies if I pronounced that incorrectly, but a great comment. Thank you. He he or she asked, is a 2-4-5 defense just doomed for failure? What other teams that stop the run also run this defense? So uh, when when you say a 2-4-5, like every team in the NFL right now runs a 4-2 looking structure, right? Like that's the predominant structure. It's mainly an over front because you put your uh, the B-gap bubble um, away from where the running back is usually. Uh, you put the, the three technique to the strength. So then more, you know, it's taking away most of the, the most dangerous runs, right? But in terms of personnel, I think there's a discussion to be had. And I think we've already seen it this season in Seattle. And obviously we need to go back and watch the tape from this past game. But I, I I've just been thinking like they they moved to this defense and who was it who was saying to me? Someone was saying that Pete was always thinking like five ten years ahead like and in terms of the move to this defense though this is almost like it's in terms of the cycle of the NFL like it's almost a bit it's it's sort of wrong because suddenly teams are running the ball a bit more there's uh you know more of a, a growing a gap run scheme to run on these kind of fronts and these two high looks uh so in terms of the cycle i think they may have been caught out but you know we have to see talent would help um but also the bigger thing about uh, your question Aditwa, is with the 245 like that's you know four linebackers right that's why you've put 245 so it's two outside linebacker types like they are lighter for the edge and so if you look at the great the great defenses in the NFL at the moment like uh Buffalo uh New York Jets um the 49ers they have more kind of defensive ends on the on the edge like four down defensive end types who are a bit bigger and a bit more stout and I and they can play more aggressively upfield and penetrating style. Like the 49ers, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, they can just sit and they can cheat to pass coverage a lot of the time because that front just flies up the field and they penetrate. Now that's a different style to what Seattle's doing, but the fact that Seattle's asking these lighter bodies to set the edge, the fact Bruce Irvin's out there. 35-year-old Bruce Irvin playing the majority of the snaps because they don't sit, they don't trust Dowell Taylor and positive today he had a great speed rush sack but they don't trust Dowell Taylor to set the edge that ain't how they envisioned it like Uchenna Nwosu is still a lighter body like he he sets the edge okay he gets upfield fast but he's still a lighter body so yeah I, I'm sort of waffling but I think that's something to monitor of like you know this, um, the whole Fangio, Staley, um, that kind of defense was very, very trendy. But I think, um, yeah, the, the the cycle is adapted on offense a bit, um, which happens. Uh, but also, 
think Seattle personnel wise, perhaps lacking some some of the the kind of big dude bodies to set the edge. And then finally, their their defense being year one, they, they seem to lack like the additional calls, like the layers to to it at times, like the you know, third and ten run today, very early in the game, first third down they gave up. They the Panthers come out in a two back look, so you should not just sit. And let I don't know what it was a too high like pass first coverage a bit like when they gave up that touchdown against the Lions and everyone was like what on earth was that run fit and it's yeah. like well I think the Lions one was egregious because it was second down but anyway this was this was like well okay you can call in a pass coverage but if they but then what you'd usually do and the, the Seahawks trust me they know this like this is not revolutionary if they come out in the two back look. Oh, we'll we leave a, maybe we have a check where we we check into a, a more run focused idea, or we do something up front like uh, uh, we stunt uh, some defensive linemen to help cheat the math a bit. But they just they just rushed upfield and played like they just got round run on. And I know Griff, that's something. I mean, do you have any thoughts on what I've said? And I know that's something that in terms of the lack of uh, additional layers that you, you, we've already talked about tonight. But, yeah, I mean. I, I think you covered it. I, I do think that the biggest consideration when talking about fitting the run from two, four, five is are you one high or two high, which means are you capped out or in the box or are you out capped in the box? Um, I mean, they've had a lot of good moments in that look from one high this year. I mean, just last week against the Rams, um, they defended the run really well from that and all the damage was done on the perimeter. Um, for with receiver runs and corners getting blocked, but it had nothing to do with what went on inside inside the tackle box, really. So, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is philosophical. Like the, this whole thing they talked about in the offseason was getting more aggressive. It's an aggressive front, but not if you're getting run on it. It looks soft, you know? So you're kind of toying with this, the semantics of the word soft and aggressive there also, but um, it's, it's defense is all robbing peter to pay paul and they have you know <laughs> it's a pyramid scheme <laughs> is what we're watching unfold uh but i mean this, this also isn't new to carol the difference is that they have michael bennett be one of those defense events like what you said uh maddie uh with the personnel you know it being you've got outside linebackers like this is you and and hey you know the other difference they what? they ran a four-two-five, but put Camp Chancellor in the box. They mm. they they cheated the right. whole equation because Cam was playing in the interior in on an interior gap. Right, and then you had and... a KJ Wright who could, you know, zone cover with with the best of them out of the out of the you know in the flat away from the nickel. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, like right now, it's just like I would take I would take the four defensive tackles they have right now I would take those four over Kevin Williams and Tony McDaniel and who else do they have those those here Dobbs David King in 2015 and they had when they ran this front and they had like a top five run defense Hold um, on, did we just get a David King name drop on the show? Yeah, man, because that's who their <laughs> that's who on, their defensive tackle was in 2015. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
but I mean, Michael Bennett makes a huge difference. He can close off the bubble, you know, the side of the nose tackle, you know. And he had and like Nwosu and penetrating style where he he'd take his shots as well. And he knew when to do it, like just unreal. But see, the other thing is, like you said, they were gapped out the whole time, and the results when they've been in one high four down has actually been a lot better than I think most would think it would be. But it's the second they drop out of it, they just they look like they're they just look like they're playing like third and 20 is, is how it feels. Um, mm-hmm. they, they just for can't me as well, it. I, I really do want to stress, like I, I said it already, but they did play their fair share of like the bear uh, one high. They should have been gapped out. They should have had the right bodies. Yeah, and stuff. no, they did. And as soon as Woods got out, they just got gashed. They got absolutely bullied. And, what was especially embarrassing was that um, was it the third quarter drive? The, the they just ran this. The Panthers ran the same run, guard tackle wrap with an orbit motion, like six times down the field. No, that was the, with, that was in the fourth quarter. That was the drive that they scored on, right? Yeah, yeah. It just, yeah, yeah, it just yeah. It, embarrassing. Just embarrassing. Yeah. I, I, and again, okay, the players need to execute against that better. Okay, just because our Woods and Shelby Harris is out, that doesn't mean it all just goes to absolute crap. Mm. You have to like. I just don't understand how you don't have an answer. Like they skip. Like play calling wise, that's embarrassing. Like that, that is straight up. And Clint Hurt will be upset about that. Like <laughs> you, you would be. Like it, yeah. it's, it's like you don't have an answer for it. What's What's um, so funny is by the end of last year, they had they had a very clear formula of calls and situational calls yep. and tools and and you know a phrasing that kept getting thrown around was oh this vanilla scheme it was anything but vanilla last year they ran what, so much stuff even even when they were good the first the, that four month stretch this year from week six to nine six seven eight nine four games they were very vanilla that's what like, we said that's and we, we said were, it then we were like um is there gonna be and i know i even tried to uh I, I, like, I even tried to find like, oh, I, I feel like it's coming together a bit. I feel like they're putting yeah, it together. We, we did, we did um, try to force it, and it it's not quite not. So like, how would Ken have uh, dealt with that? Well, he'd have fire zoned more. He'd have moved the front more, um, and it th- and that's like in in what I've just said. That's like three or six more different calls, right? Um, and it's proactive, and it's it's not being it, also. Also, the corner and the fit problems, which is like probably responsible for what a third of the the rushing yards they've seen the last two weeks. He would be inverting the coverage so that Tariq Olin would be deep, and then you have the safety down be that guy yeah. that needs to, is who has to be the edge of the defense on those dual runs. He would have whether it works or not. He would have a schematic answer for everything. Yeah, and today, so, you know what else we saw today. We saw a before Taylor sack, especially, but we saw a pass rush struggling against uh, play action and against deeper dropbacks. And lo and behold, what happened? Oh, it's thrown to the flat. And I mean, I know you shared some interesting numbers uh, earlier in the season, Griff, about you know where the throws are going and you know wh- where it's being caught. But what killed Ken was they didn't have the pass rush to effectively, you know, send four um, and remove that ability to drain out the flat, look off deep and then check it down to the flat. And it was free yardage for guys. 
and we saw the same issues here like so yeah so before we hop off <clears throat> let's go a little broader broader here oh we want to go broader than that <laughs> let's get let's get really broad here yeah. i felt that was pretty broad time no, we no, went no, back no. to ken norton <laughs> well this all ties into that okay so okay. assuming that this doesn't get fixed in any any sort of way over the next four weeks Mm. They just cleaning house again this off season. Like, do is that something that has to happen? I know we don't like to get you know they, toxic on here, what? but no cleaning house. Like, is like firing like, like firing does, Pete or yeah? No, 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 not 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 Pete. No, defensively, defensively speaking, Clint Hurt, Sean Desai, Carl Scott. Do those guys just do they have to go? I don't think you can. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like you've just wasted a year if you're going to do that. You, yeah, you have to sort of build right. towards something with Clint Hurt. You have to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of wild, though, because, like, and, you know, Griff and I have said this, like, before, but it's kind of wild how when we watched, like, all of the stuff Ken was doing last year, you were like, oh, well, that's, um that's like, kind of like Fangio. So, like, Clint Hurt must have had an influence on that. Um this may maybe a lot of this is hurt driven right but like all the kind of finer tweaks and tools and like layers and additions to the carol version of barefront from like usc and even before that all of that which we saw last year we have not seen this year now maybe part of that's having a young defense but like they're not young up front and jordan brooks is a vet now and cody barton's also a vet like mm-hmm. it's not that deep like right i don't understand why there isn't more um and so then it makes you wonder well was that pete knowing how to and this is another question was that pete carroll knowing how to fix his and and how to layer up his language and his system which was from what we understand from what we know that was the same dialect the same uh, vocabulary that he'd used forever like it's right. kiffin language it's all kiffin structured it goes back as early as usc playbooks it goes back i think as early as when he was like with the 49ers like so now in 2022 is there a, and I, again i'd love to hear carol ask this it you know is there a barrier for him to to tweak things because you know it's how do you make it how do you tweak it in this system yeah he knows football and they all they all know football but like I don't know. I, I do wonder because we haven't seen the tweaks that, you know, existed last year, the the different calls. And maybe, maybe you know, that that's part of the, the barrier. I don't know. Griff, is that? No, that, that's, that's a really important element here because, yeah, I mean, like kind of a hidden, a, a hidden element of football is, when I, when we talk about scheme and stuff are not just like, you know, rules, it's nomenclature and it's how you structure yourself and organize yourself, like the logistics of how you call things on the field and like, you know, instituting checks and stuff. Like, is there a barrier to having a check available based off of literally your, your, like the taxonomy that you create and stuff. Yeah. Um, um, so I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I, if there are coaching changes, I wonder, like, 
if say Sean Desai, I feel like what the, the reason why it changed the most was because of like language wise, Sean Desai came. If Sean Desai gets either hired away, which I don't think is it would happen based off the results of the season, or say let go, which I don't know if that will happen either. But if he did, what, how would the language change? Um, but I agree though that at least firing hurt. I don't think that would solve anything. Um, you know, and ultimately whatever changes Pete's Pete wants to see to the actual defense itself, he can make ultimately. He can tell them, no, you're doing this, we're doing this, and you need to find a way to fulfill my mandate or my directive. Um, but you know, I mean, at the same time, it's very clear that even though there is a collective structure that we can, you know, attribute to Carol, the, we can also parse through, you know, compare and contrast what the DC brings and what they don't bring. And this is very much like Hertz take on the whole thing and the size take on the whole thing. Um, and Carl Scott, you know, and like what Ken Norton Jr.'s take was, was very clearly his take. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if Desai will, like, it wouldn't surprise me if Desai just leaves because a lot of his ideas, like, from well, what we saw in Chicago, right, is some of that we've seen Seattle try to do and then they've ditched because, like, a lot of Desai's games in Chicago, they haven't been able to stop the run. Like, <laughs> so... And now that is like not me saying that the it, like the stuff they're doing now is not the that's not what Desai was doing in Chicago. Um, well, they ran it. He was doing two four five, but he was doing it from like real light box stuff. Like, yeah. and so I think the fact that they've already kind of gone back on that and they haven't, they like maybe he'd have viewed this as a year to like see it through and actually get good at it. But they haven't done that. So um, if I were in Desai's shoes, I'd probably be a bit disheartened and be like, well, this isn't the way that I see football. And so how fulfilling is that for you? You know, why why does he coach? What What's he trying to get out of it? All interesting uh, questions. And I think, you know, if he leaves, that would be the reason I'd attribute to that. I don't necessarily think, yeah, like Drift said, I don't think he'll get fired away but um, or hired away, sorry. And... You know, I don't think they'd fire him because it's uh it's like Hurts guy, but maybe a mutual um you know parting of ways that could be in, on the cards. And he, I'm not trying to scapegoat again. The issues now aren't anything to do. Well, they're partially to do with him because he is on the coaching staff, but it's not like the size come in and going, oh, this is this is the uh the thing, guys, and that's the reason. No, that's that's not what's going on. Anyway, Ty. Yeah, me. Anything else that I want to add? No, um, not really. Uh, I think you know whatever everything that you guys said makes sense, and that it's you know it's a little bit of everything, right? That contributes to it. It's not just one particular thing, and you know. So again, like you said, you don't want to scapegoat here. Um, but I do wonder if maybe there's too many cooks something like that going on there behind yeah. the scenes uh if we do see some changes again at the end of the year which i mean it sucks right because like you just did a big uh revamp of the defensive coaching staff last year and then to do that again the very next year i mean that's just that's not great so yeah 
Yeah, I think too many cooks is a definite. Um, there's got to be a factor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Tua is three for seventeen for twenty five. I yards. saw that. I saw that. I saw that. Hmm. hmm. Well, if only Gino had uh, had a good game, that would have been another MVP candidate down. But uh, yeah, bro. Yeah. Oh, well. Right. I think we're done. No, I'm done. I'm so yeah, done. I'm done. Yeah, I'm. I'm See you guys I'm Thursday. You know uh, what? Let's get surprised. Let's be surprised on Thursday. Oh, here comes the cope. Speaking of, <laughs> oh, you got so me. You got I'm me. so serious. I just, I just see it how I call it how I see it. And facts and logic. Me. All right. Um, well, so you know what? The, the, the facts and logic are telling me that the Seahawks are going to beat the 49ers on Thursday. So, okay. 31 to seven. Hey, hey, I see, hey. Gerson, seven, Gerson yeah. come on now. Like, look, what are we doing here? You're in timeout, Gerson. I've seen you before as well. This is my chat. Um, <laughs> disgraceful. Disgraceful. Right. Tell, um, tell him about the schedule. Yeah, so the, the schedule or schedule. Schedule, yeah. The, the, the plan of action. We are going to be back on Wednesday, Ty and I, with our newsy kind of thing, but with a bit more of a heavy 49ers preview baked in there as well. Then on Thursday, we will live react to the 49ers game. That's we, because it will be Griffin joining us. And then on Sunday, we'll do a double film. Well, not a double film, but we'll we'll study film from both games. Depends how, obviously, the 49ers game goes, because I feel like the film from this past game is going to be a bit rough. Then the following week, we'll be back to the usual schedule and we'll we'll do a film of uh, a different topic as well on, on the Thursday usual time. So that's Wednesday, Ty and I, news, Thursday, live reaction to the game, then Sunday, film. Indeed. Seahawks country. Go. Let's fly. And it, yes, and it, it would be very Seahawky if they had, um, you know, somehow they won all their remaining games. They finished what twelve and six? Eleven and six. There we go. Thank you, Ty. Uh, There's that seventeen would be super... games in the season, Maddie. <sighs> well, they'll probably be eighteen soon. Um, so mm. that was a uh, yeah, that'll be very fun. 